and welcome back. This is part three of the Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast interview with Jason Schron of Rapido. Okay, well then, uh, let me ask a question with the advances in technology, and I certainly appreciate the fact that, you know, there's a skill set over there. Is that reliant upon robotics, or could robotics be, you know, employed on this side of the pond to, like, overcome some of that? I doubt it. I doubt it. it okay. there, there is a, you know, if you go to the the factory floor, it's mostly women between the ages of uh, 20 and 35 who are uh, doing the assembly. Um, there are no model train manufacturers, by the way, who employ child labor. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find any factory in southern China employing child labor. They're very, very strict on no one below the age of 18 is allowed to work in a factory. Um, and so a lot of the you know, a lot of the uh, things people, quote-unquote, know about China is 30 years or, or 25 years out of date. All right. So most funny. Someone actually sent a, a message to me on Facebook when he saw a picture of my uh, one of my Tampa workers and said, uh, you know, who's that? Who's that little boy doing? How old is that little boy doing a Tampa machine? I said, actually, he's in his early 30s and he has a kid. <laughs> it's like, what is he drinking? I want some of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, so most of our workers are, are women between the ages of 20 and 35 uh, because they've got the small fingers, small hands. Uh, and the dexterity to install these things, it's very, very difficult um, to to put together these trains, um, especially to be doing it all day. Um, and there's often, you know, you get a part that needs to be uh, coerced into a hole, right? So you may have to bring the, the model if the, the hole didn't open up completely in injection or like the plastic float a bit. Um, you have to uh, increase the size of the hole. Um, with a drill press, and then you've got to take it back. You may have to trim off a bit of the sprue, um, you know, because it wasn't trimmed properly. Uh, it's really, you know, it, it's a very involved process to to manufacture. And I don't think that robots, were, I mean, certainly not the stuff that we do. Um, there are now automatic painting machines that will paint um, a car or a, a model uh, by itself, basically. Um, those are pretty neat. Uh, but it still requires people to set up the painting machine and get everything organized, especially if there's masks involved. You know, so it, it still is. There's a lot of, of human element. Uh, we've actually had cars returned to us where someone was so angry. You got an angry note with a return car saying this car had a fingerprint. It was touched by human hands. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Did you think that our trains were made by monkeys? <laughs> you know, people made your train. And so, you know, what we do in that is we take the, the car that was returned in anger. We take a soft cloth, wipe off the fingerprints and resell the car. I mean, it, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. You should see the number of cars we get returned because one grab arm fell loose, so the people returned the whole car, and they're so upset. And, they, you know, that's it. I'm not buying your stuff. A grab arm fell loose. So we glue the grab arm back on, and we resell the car. You know, it does not go into some great pile of, of, you know, cars with one grab iron loose that we can't sell anymore. <laughs> oh, golly. Now tell me. Okay, because now you're now – Heavily involved in freight locomotives. We've got the or passenger. You've got the FPs coming out. FP nine eight, yeah. And you're doing the uh, MLW version of the uh, FP. FPA four. That's correct. Yeah. Okay, and I saw your video on the uh, GMD one. That was so much fun. <laughs> oh yeah, such a good time. Okay, we had a really Do good time think... making that video. 
do you think downstream you'll pick up on any American prototypes? Um, yes, I can say that uh, in terms of locomotives, there um, there is an American prototype we are working on, but we have not announced. Um, we're going to get, you know, the what I like to do when it comes it comes to these unique Canadian prototypes, the FP9A, the FPA4, the GMD1, we announce it good and early and say we are making this. This I'm doing this as a service to the other manufacturers. I'm saying I'm I'm you know staking my ground. Right, we're going to do the FPA4 and the GMD1 uh, in 2013. So if you are thinking of doing either one of those, let me give you some some suggestions. Don't, because <laughs> it's we're going to end up in a pissing contest. In a pissing contest, nobody wins and everyone gets wet. Okay, so you don't want to end up with for something like an FPA4 locomotive. The total sales over the entire life of the of the mold is maybe 3,000 pieces. Right. It's not a huge seller. If two guys are making it, then you could say you're going to sell 1,500. And I'll tell you, neither of us are going to make any money selling 1,500 FPA4s. All right, so it's it's not a big seller, right? Uh, it's a uni- it's a unique oddball Canadian prototype that was owned by one railroad, CN. I mean, they've been secondhand owners, but it was a CN only model. Um, so uh, I, I sort of staked my ground and said, this is what we're going to do. Um, and, uh, but when it comes to some American stuff working on, we'd rather be a little bit further along because you don't want to stake your ground on too many things at once, right? We've got the FP9As, which are imminent. We've got the first shipment. It's been pushed back a month. The first FP9A shipment's not leaving the beginning of May. Uh, it was supposed to leave at the beginning of April. Uh, the Canadian first shipment is still leaving the beginning of April. And I mean, if this is being broadcast after that, you can edit that all out. <laughs> anyway, but, um, and we don't want to announce too many things too early because while they're all in in progress, uh, you end up people getting really restless waiting for them. Um, And for example, we haven't, we've announced that we're doing the FPA4 on our website. We haven't announced product numbers or pricing. We've announced that the GMD1 is being done through YouTube. It's not even on our website, right? Um, And we're not going to announce product numbers and pricing until we have a sample, until the tooling is basically done. And then we know that it's going to come out within six months. Right, because we've had people who give us a call. I've had your FP9A on order for two years. Where is it? And I say, well, you know, there's a good reason why it's not here. We had to redo the nose four times, um, but you know, they, they they don't they don't listen to that. They still realize, you know, I want that engine now, and they, people can get very frustrated because they've wanted that accurate FP9A for the last 40 years. Right. And you'd think that logically, if you wanted it for 40 years, you could wait another two. But human beings are not logical. We're not Cybermen. We're not logical. Right. We're, we're human beings. And if we find out that there's an FP9 coming and we wanted it for 40 years, we want it now. We want it yesterday. We wanted it 40 years ago. You know what I mean? Well, and if they've been waiting 40 years, maybe they're afraid they won't be alive when it gets there. I've, I've had phone calls like that, too. Very interesting. One person says, I get a phone call. Is that Jason? I said, yeah, Jason, I have all your cars. Jason, when are you doing an observation car? I said, well, you know, we're worried, we're concerned about the market and if we'll be able to afford Jason, I'm 82 years old. I want to see an observation car before I die. <laughs> That's pressure. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Well, speaking of that, are you going to downstream maybe after you get the Canadian all up and delivered 
do the cars individually, either as undecorated or some other road? Oh, no, we'll be doing because that observation is beautiful. Thank you. We'll be doing them individually. Um, we will be That's selling right. all of the Canadian cars individually, both in accurate and stand-in or Fubi paint schemes. Um, but they're, I mean, they're, they're generic bud cars. They're not be that much different from whatever from several different cars from different paint schemes, uh, different railroads. Um, and uh, we'll be releasing them separately. We'll be releasing the CP FP9As separately. Uh, we will not be releasing the CPF9B separately. That is a special treat just for people who've ordered the, the train. However, we tool, we have tooled already four different F9Bs from a different Canadian railroad that shall remain nameless, uh, which will be announced when we have the final samples, um, which the factory has been so busy with the Canadian, they've just put that on the back burner. Um, and, uh, and when we release the F9Bs from a different big Canadian railroad, uh, we will release the chassis separately, the powered and sound chassis, so people who own the CPF9B from the Canadian can convert it to a powered and, and sound equipped model very easily just by buying the chassis separately. Yeah, so they, they, we've, got, we've got some things planned there down the road for, for separate releases, definitely. Um, and we are already working on our next supercontinental line car and maybe our last. You know, we will release the, 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 the butt observation car from the Canadians separately. A lot of people want to see a smooth side observation car in the supercontinental line. I'm not sure we're going to do one. I'll be honest. Um, it may happen at some point, but I wouldn't hold anyone's breath for this one for the next two, three years. Um, but we are working on the dining car for the supercontinental line, a smooth side dining car. And I expect that will be out probably late next year around then. Um, for a dining car because we have measured it, we have photographed it, the drawings were almost finished, uh, and we will be bringing that car out as soon as we tooled up. So we'll probably start tooling that um, in the fall. Yeah, so there there are more passenger cars coming down the pipe, certainly. Okay, so you've done the the caboose. Yeah. You've got, which is an incredible caboose. Thank you. Uh, you've got your meat reefer. Yeah. Uh, you going to expand that line too? Yes, oh, 100%. Um, Bill okay. has a, a long laundry list of things he wants to do. Um, and, uh, and when it comes to the freight stuff, I generally follow Bill's lead on it. So we're going to do what, what Bill wants to do. Um, and uh, I, I can't use a meat reefer on my layout. This is the first model that we've produced. Uh, the Osgood Bradley's as well. The Osgood Bradley meat reefer are the only models I've produced so far that I can't use on my layout. I'm very selfish that way. You know, and people ask, what's coming next down the pipe? You can do this? Well, Bill will generally tell the customers, well, does Jason need it on the Kingston subdivision in 1980? <laughs> because that's what he's modeling. And chances are that's what he's going to do first. It's stuff for his lands. You know, let me, everybody who's a modeler who's listening to this, if they're a manufacturer, what are they going to make? They're going to make what they want for their land. I mean, it's, 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 it's the reality of it. It's the bonus. It's the bonus of being a manufacturer. Uh, but, you know, I have most of what I need for the layout. So for that reason, um, we're really going to be expanding more of that transition air freight stuff. Bill's got uh, some, some ideas there. He's also got some ideas for transition air passenger uh, stuff as well, um, American prototype. So, you know, the, there are some things that are being worked on. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to announce too much too soon. You know, basically, we're generally going to take the approach that unless it's a real oddball that uh, we, we really can't afford to get into a fight with someone over it if we make the same thing like the GMD one, um, we will try and announce stuff when we've got a sample. 
you know. So we don't, we're not, we're not like this, like the the Osby Bradley smokers. We didn't announce until the tooling was done, right? And we had a sample. We could show it off and say, look at the smoker, isn't this great? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where we're going to try and do that for a lot of our stuff in the future. Is say, you know, uh, uh, once we got a sample, we're really committed to doing it, and okay. we're doing it now. Yeah. So well, and because of the way you execute, you know, your your products. You know, here's a suggestion. Sure. Because <laughs> you can pick up this kind of, you know, wishful thinking off the forums. You hear it in the hobby shops. What we need is a premier manufacturer such as Rapido to go in and make, for instance, an SDP 45 that will just snap right on to the Aethern Genesis FP 45 frame right but we you know uh what were the other ones there was that oh yeah take the fp45 redo it to be the amtrak sdp 40f right i think that that when we were talking earlier about the the cottage industries the base yeah that's where i think there's a real there's a real room for growth there i think that uh that's something that an enterprising person or a group of people can do uh domestically Using a wrapper prototype technique, using resin, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, I think that that's really where, where a project like that could be a, a manufacturer never wants to be reliant on another manufacturer's stuff, um, in order to do their product. So for example, um, when, when Lifelike was, uh, before they were purchased by Walters, they worked together with, uh, Hobbycraft in Canada. Uh, to do the sea liner, the five axle sea liner, and the the rear truck and the drive came from uh, Lifelike, whereas all the other tooling came from Hobbycraft. It was a real, you know, uh, team effort. And yeah. um, when we looked at doing the the five axle sea liner, and we announced it before we had all our ducks in a row, which was dumb. Uh, I take full responsibility of that. Bill didn't even think we should announce it at all. Um, so, you know, I, I I screw up on occasion, actually on regular occasion. Uh, so <laughs> happy that um but uh when we spoke to walton said listen can we get that truck from you and they said you know we're having such trouble with china that i can't guarantee we can get that for you at all right and that put us in a situation where we had a locomotive with a front truck we didn't have a rear truck for it and looking at our sales numbers which were very low for it we would have had to tool up uh, a whole new low uh, rear truck and then our tooling costs would have like far outstripped our total sales. You know, it just it made it unprofitable, completely unprofitable for us. Um, and that's an example where you're relying on something from another manufacturer. Well, but see, we're going to cut you some slack. We don't want you to make the drivetrain, so you don't have to buy anything from Aether Horizon. Right, but say we just want the body so that we can snap it on an Aether frame that we already have. Say that that there's demand. Say there's interest. You're making that kind of that kind of shell. And there's interest in 3,000 pieces. And I don't think it's that high, but say there was interest in 3,000 pieces, right? Suddenly there's going to be people looking for that Athern chassis. And if Athern hasn't released that chassis in many years or, uh, you know, hasn't released it separately or whatever else, uh, you may end up with a lot of people who would say, well, you know, I would have bought your shell, but I can't find a chassis anywhere because as soon as you announce the shell, all the chassis disappeared. 
right? So there's, there's all sorts of things that can happen. But if you're talking about a cottage industry where you're not talking, you don't need 3,000 sales, you can sell 200 or 100 or 50, then that's not going to be an issue. Right, because you're gonna. So the guys who are willing to do the work to put it onto their. And I believe that Caslow Shops did do a resin uh, version of the STP40. Did they not? I've heard that. I've never seen one, but I yeah. heard Caslow had made one. Caslow does some really nice work in resin, and because um, we did our LRC coach with them back in 2003, 2004, and they do really nice work. And I remember seeing some photos on I was either the Atlas forum or the Train Orders forum of someone working on that, that model using the Castle shell, and it just looked beautiful, just beautiful. You know, so there, there are options out there. I think that, um, especially with the, the rapid prototyping and what you can do with resin these days, um, there's, there'll be very few prototypes you won't be able to find somewhere. I mean, for example, I do model 1980 uh, Spadani Yard in downtown Toronto plus the Kingston subdivision out to Brockville. And, um, and this is, you know, now that I've finished the coach in the basement, the next step is to, to build the layout. But the coach took four years. The layout's going to take 35 years. So I'm not expecting to be finished anytime soon. Um, but I need uh, what are called balloon-top passenger cars. These are um, CN cars that look very similar to the Osgood Bradleys. Uh, I also need tempo cars. I also need single-level go cars. These are all CN and, and Toronto-area cars. Um, I'll never be able to sell enough uh, go single-level cars to make money on it. I'll never be able to sell enough tempo cars. and never be able to sell enough uh, balloon tops. But these are definitely candidates for doing them in resin. And I can get the 12 that I need in resin. Or I even look at doing them in brass. You know, there is still a, a market for brass out there. And when you're talking about something that you can only sell 50 of, brass is going to be your answer. Because you know, you'll find the 50 guys who will scrimp and save to get the 400 bucks a car to get that car in brass because they know that their their layout is not going to be complete without having a train set of go single level cars or tempo cars or balloon tops or whatever. Insert your prototype here. You know, if you model a certain railroad, you need the signature train. Right, And when you think about how much we spend on locomotives now, and if you look at the average layout, you're going to find 100 locomotives and 100 freight cars. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. We're all the same. Okay, we're all the same. You know, it's, it, Athen announced their CNGP GP38-2. I ordered four, and I said if you'd if you'd announced 24 numbers, I would have ordered 24 numbers. Right? I'll never need I'll never need more than six at a time my entire life. You know what I mean? But we all have tons and tons of engines. Um, and if you think about that, engines are now going for you know $200 for a DC model, 350, 300 to 350 for a DCC sound model. Right? Perhaps if you need that signature car, that signature passenger train, that signature freight car that's that's unique to your road, brass is not so out of the question anymore because brass prices have not gone up to this, the same percentage as plastic has. So I think there might be some more stuff coming out in brass. Definitely, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be exploring it myself for for these cars I need. Okay. Well, golly, I'm just gonna have to burst my bubble. I thought. Jason is a forward-thinking guy. I can sell him on the concept of a SDP 45 body. Uh, at the show last summer, there's a lady I've never met her, but I think her name's Elizabeth Allen. She is an incredible modeler. And she was, I think, at the Canon booth. Uh, one of the MRH guys was telling me, and she, using Canon product and stuff, made – an STP 45 that it was just mouthwatering. Wonderful. Yes. So it, it, it's always a balance. You know, I am a modeler myself and I'm a train obsessed nut bar myself. Right. So 
Um, you know, I, some people have this vision of model train manufacturers being men in suits, and we're not. Most, most model train manufacturers are run by train-obsessed crazies like, like us. Um, and, uh, and I think it's, it's a difficult balance when you're, when you're building a layout. You have to figure out where you fit in the camp. Now, I see the diesel detailing forums and the beautiful work that these guys put into these locomotives. And, you know, you're, gonna, you're putting 40 hours into a locomotive, and it's just stunning, stunning work. And then you have the guys who, you know, have, spend two years and they've got a, a, a 20 by, by 30 layout up and running. Right. I, I think that it's always about a, a balance of finding, uh, you know, when is it good enough? Right. And hopefully, you know, with Rapido products, we've we've done that extra work so that it's you can you can you can rest assured that you all you have to do to our cars is tune them up, make sure their wheels are engaged, couplers right height and make them dirty and they're ready to go. You know, that, that that's our goal, um, because it's difficult as a modeler. You know, you you want to you want a beautiful, detailed uh, locomotive, accurate locomotive on a beautifully detailed layout. But there are only so many hours that you can d- d- devote a week to your hobby. Um, that you have to obviously make compromises, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's wondering how much time you're going to spend on a specific project. And this is something that we all face. So I said, like, you know, my goal is that Rapido, again, apart from the initial tune-up and the dirtying, there shouldn't be much that you have to do to it to, to make it look right on your layout. Well, and I think you've achieved that. Thank you. you have achieved that. Thank you. No, no we, we've had plenty of failures, plenty of busts. There was the uh, Western and North Chicago baggage cars. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, we, we released Western and North Chicago and Central Illinois baggage cars instead of Illinois Central. So we had to make those, which was fun. Um, our, our turbo drive system uh, left a lot to be desired uh, with our first release of the turbo, such that we went back and re- completely redesigned the drive system. Um, and the turbo drive system had a 7 to 1 gear ratio because I said, you know, I told the engineers, this thing's got to be able to go 140 miles an hour. <laughs> so, yeah, you go 104 miles an hour, but the slowest speed it goes about 30. We've had some busts, but I, I'm hoping that with the more the more experience we have, the the number of successes certainly outweighs the number of failures. Oh, there was also with our first passenger cars, there was the wibbly wobbly floor. Our first release of passenger cars, we couldn't keep the floor straight. We had to redesign the cars. And uh, I get a call from one of my shops. This was about two weeks ago, and he says. I gotta tell you, the guys at the club are—they're—they're—they're they're, they're swearing about you and your products. They hate your stuff. I said, "What are you talking about?" Well, he, you know, he took out his CN coaches, and they were all warped. I said, "He took out the CN coaches he bought six years ago, yeah, and that he hasn't opened in six years, yeah." And now he's angry at yeah. me now, yeah. I said, what do you want me to do about that? Come on. Yeah, that's right. Take the model that I released when I've been in business, you know, within within uh, in the first few weeks of releasing pro, uh, ready to run models, and you know, can, do you then say, "Well, I'm never buying an Athern product again because this 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 car I bought in 1947, I'm telling you, it wouldn't stay on the track." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Oh golly, well, Jason, I tell you what. This is going to be a multi-part event here because we've been doing this for an hour and a half. Yeah, I told you it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a 20-minute interview. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. It'll just be uh, a multi-part when I edit this down. Uh, I have enjoyed it. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. All right. Uh, okay, so I'll wrap this up with that. Perfect. Uh, seriously, Jason, you've got uh, what you've done and what you've executed there is uh, – is very, very uh, extraordinary. Your cars, your product, uh, 
uh, I've only seen a few of your cars because uh, this UP I've got here were one of the few that uh, Bob got in that had, you know, southwestern road names. Right. If it says Santa Fe or SP around here, it'll sell. Well, if you could try, try uh, and find Wal- um, Horizon did a custom run of the 646 sleepers in UP, um, and we released it in Wabash. So uh, if you can get a hold of those somewhere, um, they look good. I mean, they, the Wabash and UP did have a 646, but they were reversed. The quarter was on the other side. Um, but uh, but I, it's still close enough that I think a lot of people are happy with it. Yeah, so it uh, we're trying to track down. Yeah, our biggest. Yeah, our and biggest, I saw the so website. Is, you go to. Pardon me. What's that? I was gonna say that our, <laughs> our biggest issue that we're okay. that we're facing is that we there are a lot of people who don't know about us in the southwest, the southeast, uh, western states. You know, when 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 the guys went down to the show, the NMRA show in uh, in Sacramento, uh, there were a lot of people coming up to the booth and saying, "Don't you make N scale cars like like from the seventies?" They didn't they didn't know who we were. Oh, that's right. There used to be a company called Rapido or something like that. Well, Arnold, which was a German, I think, company, yeah. uh, had Arnold a Rapido was, as one yeah. of their brand names. And I only found out about this when I registered the name in the States and discovered that Arnold had a trademark until 1982. Right. So that, that's when I, when I found that out. But, um, but so they, they, you know, people don't know about us uh, in a lot of places in the United States. And, you know, in the Northeast, we're pretty well known. Uh, the Midwest, I think we've got a good, decent reputation. But uh, there's sort of, sort of everything south of D.C. <laughs> we have trouble getting our name out there. So hopefully when we bring out those Oscar Bradleys and the SP and the Cotton Belt and what have you, uh, it'll, it'll increase the profile. Well, that's going to wrap up our interview with Jason Schron of Rapida. Uh, seriously, listeners, go check out the website. Uh, they have an incredibly detailed product. Uh, my baggage express car here, for heaven's sakes, the doors open up. It's got interior and it's got lights. It's, uh, it's a very well-made product. Thanks for listening and hope to see you next time.